Hello, everyone. This is Brad Thomas with The Ground Up, and I'm back again with another CEO roundtable interview. Today, I've got the CEO and the CFO of Innovative Industrial REIT, ticker symbol Innovative Industrial Properties, REIT, ticker IIPR, Paul Smithers and Catherine Hastings. Good to see you today. Hey, Brad. Good to see you again. Great to see you. Great. Well, uh, let's get right to it. I know we, 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 were, uh, we, we had an interview maybe a quarter ago. We're now... Uh, uh, done with the first quarter, but a lot has happened uh, since, and a lot is happening almost daily, it seems, in the cannabis industry. Um, what is the latest and greatest that you're hearing out there in terms of legislation that, that is, that's being discussed? Uh, obviously, we're seeing that with the sheer price of your company uh, up and down and all around. Uh, so kind of tell us, where, where, do you, where, where is the legislation uh, today? Well, it's it's going in crazy directions. I think uh, as we speak today, I think Jared Naylor is going to announce uh, or reintroduce the MORE Act into the House. But, you know, if we go back, we're really talking about the Safe Banking Act and uh, what path does that have to legalization? And I think, Brad, last time we chatted, we probably thought it had a, a sooner path than we do today because Chuck Schumer has announced a bill that he wants to introduced that's going to legalize cannabis across the board. And with doing that, he has said that he is not going to let safe banking uh, get a floor vote. So now safe banking, I think, is is put to side. And we're going to see what uh, Senator Schumer's bill looks like. But I think uh, we're pretty darn sure that that bill is going to have a real tough time uh, getting through the Senate. Uh, not only does he have to get 10 Republican votes that aren't there, uh, we're also he we're hearing that uh, there's two or three Democrats that are not in favor of uh, legalization. So he's got a lot of work to do to get that bill moving forward. Uh, we think it'll fail uh, sometime next year. He's going to probably say uh, ahead of the midterms, well, we did our best. It's the darn Republicans that killed it. And they'll fall back in maybe a state banking act. Uh, as kind of a, you know, a, a second option. And maybe that's got some legs, uh, maybe this time next year ahead of the midterms, but uh, nothing this year. Great. Well, thank you for that update. Um, I was working on an article uh, this week, uh, and I, I talked about or wrote about the yield on cost of an investment. What is yield on cost? And I thought it was interesting. Uh, I began to dig open uh, the, the earnings uh, report for your company and just in terms of the growth history and specifically the dividend growth history of IIPR since, since going public. So I went back and I said, hey, if I had bought uh, or anyone had bought shares in IIPR in 2018, um, what would that look like in terms of the yield on cost over time? And I, and I was just amazed at the, uh, at the, at the dividend growth of the company uh, which actually going all the way back is like a 35% yield on cost. Uh, probably, I've, I've never seen numbers quite, quite that big, even outside of the REIT space uh, and, other, and other dividend growth uh, alternatives. So I guess my question is, in terms of your growth pipeline, and I wanted to, you to touch on, there was an announcement just recently last week with a new $300 million debt uh, issue uh, can you talk a little bit about you know that and um, and kind of what do you, what what's what do you have planned for the future? Yeah, so we're we're really excited about the uh, the bond offering, the three hundred million dollars that we were able to raise. 
got great support uh, by institutional uh, debt investors that are new to, I think, to our story, and I think pretty much new to cannabis in general. So it was really, I think, uh, kind of a historic event uh, for us to be able to access those uh, debt investors at, to the tune of 300 million. So, you know, we've always said that uh, when we raise capital, we're able to place it, uh, invest it within six to nine months. Uh, that certainly uh, remains true for this most recent offering, uh, if, if not ahead of that. So the pipeline is extremely strong with uh, a lot of different great sources. And uh, we're, we're very confident we can put that capital to work within that time frame. Great. And Brad, I think we're, we're so appreciative of, of that dividend. And we're very proud of, of the fact that we've been able to provide that to our common shareholders. And, and to be able to grow this way, which has historically been primarily through equity until this bond offering, I think this, we're so excited about this bond offering to give uh, you know, the company continued uh, strength of its balance sheet as it goes forward and have an alternative to non-dilutive capital to, to continue to take advantage of those pipeline opportunities that we're seeing. Well, it's interesting. Um, you know, I've looked at the uh, latest investor deck and you've got a number of, of, um, of your properties identified. And um, a lot of these properties are, are very high quality. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're you know, it's, it's almost shocking to me because you don't really have a direct peer per se in you know cannabis REIT space. There's some that are that are kind of touching in the cannabis world, whether it's greenhouses or what have you. But you know, you you know, you would at least in my view, you pair up really closer to the industrial REIT sector. Um, can you talk about some of those deals? And specifically, I saw there was a, a 65 million dollar acquisition recently with uh, Bo Wrigley, who's part of the Wrigley Gum. He's a billionaire, according to Forbes. Um, you know, a little bit about kind of those types of properties. I thought that was a pretty significant deal uh, backed by a you know, fairly good uh, uh, cannabis operator. Yeah, we're, we're really happy with, with our operator parallel. We've done four transactions now with them. They continue to be a, a leader um, in, in Florida, which is where we started with them. We've done a deal with them in Texas and now Pennsylvania. And it really shows the, the strength of the, the different markets that, that they're in. And, can, and uh, cannabis operators will typically target a facility that has expansion capability to handle that additional market, um, market demand. And so our, the facility that we purchased in Pennsylvania with Parallel is one of those um, facilities that has quite a, a bit of expansion um, as, as part of the transaction. You know, you mentioned the, the facilities. These are really state-of-the-art um, improvements that go into the building systems um, to be able to handle airflow, um, irrigation, lighting, security, all of which really converts a traditional industrial building into a mission-critical cannabis facility. And so we're, we're proud to partner with, with our operators to, to provide that, that capital and, and create that uh, expansion opportunity as they can continue to grow their platforms. Well, I want to touch on maybe that, uh, Kat or Paul, in terms of the, the quality of the buildings. I know uh, recently uh, your company mentioned coming out with an ESG report. Uh, I know that's something that a lot of investors, including myself, are interested in knowing more about. Uh, when we look at the quality scores for a lot of these REITs, we look very closely at the ESG. So can you touch kind of on those some of those attributes relative to 
that qual those quality buildings and some of the you know some of the requirements, the electrical water requirements uh, for these for these properties. Yeah. So yeah, Brett, we're really excited about getting our our first uh, ESG report out. We've uh, worked hard at it, and we've we've reached out to uh, you know most of our twenty three different tenants, and they've been very excited to to respond and and work with us to put together this report. And you know we look at it, of course with three different components ES and G, and you know if we start first with the social component in the cannabis space and what our operators have seen and done, it's really something we're quite proud of. Uh, specifically, I think when when we look at what happens to a community when a uh, cannabis operator goes and and uh, builds a big facility like you know like the parallel one for example, it creates great jobs, high paying jobs. It creates tax revenue for the space. And a lot of times there's a building, if it's not a new ground up construction, it'll be a reclaimed building that may have been, you know, a factory that's been abandoned for a number of years. So we're with our capital and those operators are able to repurpose those buildings, which is a great thing. And, you know, we're seeing a lot of that on the East coast and maybe kind of in the Rust Belt in the Midwest where there are communities that really need the jobs, they need the tax revenue. So on the social side, that's great. I think if you look at the state level as states award licenses, uh, the social equity component is now a big, big part of most of those states awarding licenses. So they recognize that the war on drugs uh, in the last you know two, three decades disproportionately target certain minority groups. So part of that license award is trying to recognize that. Um, now, on the environmental side, on the building, you know, cannabis obviously is a very uh, power-intensive uh, commodity when it's grown. A uh, lot of power, a lot of water. I think our operators and, and we as landlords are very aware of that, and we and our operators do whatever we can to really maximize the efficiencies of both the electrical components and the water. Um, so... I know Kat, maybe you have something to offer on top. No, that's exactly right. I mean, they, they are, are very committed to, um, you know, obviously it, it impacts their costs um, and, and their margins. So they're incentivized to try and, uh, you know, reclaim as much water as possible, provide an e efficient lighting, but they're incredibly proud of the, the impact that they make um, to, their, to their communities. And uh, you know, through through being one of the largest employers, sometimes in, in many of these townships. Great. So stay tuned. We should get that report out in the next uh, couple of weeks, I think. Great. Um, I want to, if we could, I know you just we, we touched on the uh, the uh, the bond offering, but can you uh, touch a little bit on the balance sheet today and kind of how you how you're planning to uh, you know? I know you've always maintained extremely low leverage, but you know, is that the plan going forward? And kind of what's your how does the uh, liquidity shape up today? Yeah, no, I and mean, we've been very proud to have such a strong balance sheet. I mean, before this bond deal, we had, I think, about 8% uh, debt to total gross assets. So uh, really, um, and the only quasi-leverage instrument that we had is really the convertible notes, which have, have been in the money for, for a long period of time and are really more of an equity. Um, so, you know, we, we like having this, um, this, this bond um, vehicle for us for the future. It enables us to, to use some type of leverage. You know, we, we continue to, to see having a strong balance sheet as important to all of our investors, common and, 
and debt alike. And so we, we think that we um, will continue down that path and, and, and uh, probably target maybe a 30% um, leverage that you know, certainly allows us to continue to grow while maintaining a very strong balance sheet uh, for the future. Great. In terms of, um, you know, I know you've got, you know, a coverage universe there uh, within uh, IIPR, but I guess if you could help me out here in terms of, you know, it, it's hard because, you know, I'm looking here at uh, the peer group. We have some, some industrial REITs, some net lease REITs. Uh, you've got a, about a 3% yield roughly today um, and a pretty low payout ratio. So you've really positioned yourself for a lot more future dividend growth. So what is your kind of target kind of payout ratio so we can kind of model in you know, future dividend growth prospects? Yeah, so the board uh, reviews it quarterly. You know, they're, they're considering that um, payout ratio and, and understanding the opportunity for us to continue to raise capital um, to be able to place it in accretive transactions. And so understanding whether that's going to be debt versus equity and how that impacts the dividend is, is something they, they do consider. On a long-term um, basis, you know, the board is targeting uh, an ASFO payout ratio on a stabilized portfolio that's between 75 and 85%. Right. And I guess the, the last piece of this is the pipeline. I mean, you know, as I see it, you've got a, a, your analyst estimates are extremely strong. We've got 35% growth forecasted for 21 and 22 based on the, our, our analyst consensus. And really that leads me to, I think the most important is the pipeline. So, so you know, with, with kind of going back to the earlier comment, Paul, with kind of where the legislation landscape looks today, how do you feel about the pipeline right now um, that we're looking at? So you can uh, hopefully continue, continue to generate some pretty impressive uh, growth numbers. Yeah, we feel really, really excited about it because we're getting um, incoming requests from, from different sources, but we go back to, you know, our very strong tenant base, you know, most of the leading MSOs in the country are our tenants. And as they come back, for expansion capital, they come back to us as their capital partner. So we're seeing quite a bit of demand for our capital from the existing portfolio base as they expand. Maybe they want to you know, build out uh, additional capacity in their existing facility. Maybe they want to go into a new state. Maybe there's some M&A activity. So there's a lot of different paths for them to come to us for, for that capital. But also looking at some new operators uh, for single state operators in states that uh, you know, are just a little more earlier on their development, you know, they're the future MSOs and we will catch them maybe two or three years early before they get there. That's great. That's, that's how we've grown the company. But, you know, we look at the growth of the industry as well, Brad, because if we look at the states uh, that have adopted uh, new medical programs, new recreational programs, and those that uh, are, are slated uh, for programs, you know, maybe the end of this year or for the next uh, ballot year uh, next year. So just from the growth uh, from the new states for men and rec programs, you know, tremendous opportunity. I mean, we're looking at, you know, just the New York recreational program. Uh, when that comes online, I think it's going to be great for, for the industry and uh, for our tenants that are in New York. Yeah. Well, you know, of course, my company is called Wide Moat Research, and we like to look for the competitive advantages of those moats of the companies. And well, I think you certainly have the cost of capital advantage. You're building that scale advantage. One thing that I think the market's missing is the fact that you have the 
you know, you're the first mover advantage. And that's really important, I think. I think we're now seeing that in the cannabis sector. It's taken me a while to warm up to the, to the industry, frankly. But, um, you know, having that first mover advantage, I think, has really been critical now for the company. And I think that's where that growth is really kicking in because you got out there in early, early innings before anybody else. And I think that's, that's something the market's missing. No, I, you know, I, I think you're exactly right because, you know, when, it, when an operator comes to us to close a transaction, they know that we're going to be able to close it because that's what we do. We have the capital. We have uh, the expertise uh, with our staff that knows how to close a cannabis deal, which is not always that easy uh, as far as, you know, finding the right escrow, the right title insurance from a state to state. So you're right. Being, being the pioneers, first movers, we have the experience. And even though we're not even five years old yet, uh, th- that is a lifetime in the cannabis world. So we, yeah. we do enjoy that first mover advantage and expertise. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that expertise today, both, both Paul and Kat. So thank you very much. And uh, we look forward to seeing you again uh, next time soon. Thanks, Brad. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Brad. Thank you.